O Lord, we come this morning, knee-bowed and body-bent, before thy throne of grace. O Lord, this morning, bow our hearts beneath our knees and our knees in the lonesome valley. We come this morning like empty pitchers to a full fountain with no merits of our own. O Lord, open up a new wind of heaven and lean out far over the battlements of glory and listen this morning. In the name of the one holy and undivided Trinity, amen. Please be seated. This prayer was written by James Weldon Johnson, a professor at Fisk University, an historically black university. Mr. Johnson was a civil rights activist of the 20s and 30s, and someone who certainly would have been familiar with violence and hatred in his work. Thursday evening, the gun violence that has plagued our nation for what seems like at least the last 30 years was inflicted on our sister parish of St. Stephen's Episcopal Church in Vestavia Hills, Alabama. As Episcopalians, we first and foremost identify ourselves as members of the Episcopal Diocese of Alabama, and thus this violence was inflicted on our family. Some of you know those who lost their lives Thursday evening. If you did not know the ones who were so tragically killed, many have friends who are members of St. Stephen's. When events like this happen, we are called to offer up our thoughts and prayers. And like good Episcopalians who know how to pray, we offer them up. Yet, if you're like me, it's starting to get a little frustrating. Maybe you're getting frustrated with God, asking why does he keep letting tragic events like this happen? Why does God let bad things happen to good people? Sometimes wonder if one of us couldn't just walk right up to Mount Sinai like Moses, like we were going to the boss's office, knock on the door, lodge our complaints and grievances, demand God do something about this mess that we find ourselves in today. My first response is that violence is not of God. No part of God is part of violence. As God's beloved creation made in his image, we have a unique relationship with God. Sometimes we pull away from God, thinking we are enough, not realizing that because of that relationship, we cannot help but long for God. As the deer longs for the water brooks, so longs my soul for you. O oh God, my soul is a thirst for God, a thirst for the living God. When shall I come to appear before the presence of God? 
is how our psalm begins this morning. Psalms are traditionally classified into one of seven categories. Narratives, laments, penitential, thanksgivings, praises, festival songs and liturgies, and trust and meditation. Fittingly, though, our psalm this morning is one of lament. In lamenting, one engages in a process that begins with a longing for intimacy with God. This thirst reflects a spiritual destitution that challenges us to sit with our longing, to sit with our grief. Aristotle said that the thirst of which the psalmist writes is for happiness. Happiness is our most elemental desire. And it is quenched in our thirst for God. In her homily at the vigil service, Friday morning at St. Luke's in Mountain Brook, Bishop Glenda commented that we are called to a place we are called to place silence at the center of our faith. That it is often said that silence is God's lap. And that is where God will hold us and heal us. Sitting in the holy silence of God, we trust and look forward with hope. So longs my soul for you, O God. The song continues, I will say to the God of my strength, why have you forgotten me? And why do I go so heavily while the enemy oppresses me? The psalm gives us permission to call out our hurt. The psalm gives us permission to say our feelings out loud, to call God out and to lay that which weighs heavily on us on his altar and at his feet. The psalm gives us permission to be angry with God. Because if we can be angry with God, we can be in relationship with God. And if we can be in relationship with God and bring him in the midst of that which shackles us to fear, only then can God release us from the bondage of fear and the sure and certain hope that only faith in the one true living God can offer. Further on we hear, put your trust in God, for I will yet give thanks to him who is the help of my countenance and my God. The genius of this psalm is that it is both inspirational and instructive, poetic and practical, speaks to the heart and to the mind. In the midst of so much evil and violence in the world, we approach an omniscient and omnipotent God questioning the existence of evil, all the dark forces that move in and throughout our daily lives. How could a loving God let this act of violence happen? How could he let these loving persons get hurt. 
first victim who lost their life Thursday evening. It's the first person to approach the soon-to-be assailant. Invited him to sit with him and his wife while they ate. Lamenting is not sitting with vulnerability, bewailing our situation. Lamenting names that which is causing hurt in the world. Calls it into the light of truth. It is not whining because things are not fair. No, lamenting is an act of sitting in silence with the one true God who knows our needs before we even ask. Yet still he tells us to lay our worries, to our concerns at his feet in prayer. Prayer is a response to God. And prayer made in silence is response to God's holy silence. So longs my soul for you, O God. We are reminded that the victims of the violence on Thursday are not dead, but reborn into their fuller selves. As we reaffirm our baptismal covenant, let us remember that the person who inflicted this pain is a beloved creation of God, and we too are called to pray for him, that God might bring healing and reconciliation to him as well. We may never fully know why evil exists in the world, However, we can take comfort in knowing that when God is invited into the middle of it, he can transform evil and hurt and suffering. These are what I like to think of as opportunities for resurrection that come when we accept God's grace that is given with no preconditions. As the song goes, where there is love, there is God. The love of God has gathered us together. Last weekend, I was at Camp McDowell serving on staff for Curcio, and the theme of the event was Be the Light of Christ. It is fitting and right that in this darkness we get to celebrate baptism this morning. Not just one, but two. Baptism reminds us that it is only through death in the baptismal waters that we can join in resurrection with Jesus. Death then is not death, but life everlasting. And we as the church are so thankful for you, Teddy and George, for showing us the light and the way this morning. Today is a wonderful day for the church because today the love of the church has grown in Teddy and George, and they remind us that Jesus calls us out of the darkness into the light. And so longs my soul for you, O oh God. Amen.